Mark, I'm a little taller than this, all right, bro? There we go. Well, it is good uh, to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Uh, I bring greetings from Crossroads. It's where I'm from. It's where Ryan started out. If uh, Pastor Scott was his mentor, he's my mentor now. And uh, I have a picture that I want to show you of your pastor uh, back in the day. It was when we commissioned him uh, to be part of our church way back in the day. And so I think the elders, there it is. So that, that's him kneeling down. Pastor Scott is on the right there. Our elder team praying over him as he started his ministry at our church. And then it was a blessing to send him out here and then to see what all has happened since. This is my first time at Harvest Palace, or sorry, like Anchor, and it's just exciting. Sorry about that. Uh, Anchor, and uh, exciting to see what God is doing here amongst uh, the people of God. And so, uh, again, my name is Austin Adams. I serve on staff at Cross as the associate pastor. And uh, a little bit about me, I have a wife, Emily, and two boys. I think we've got a picture up here somewhere. There we go. That was uh, this summer vacation in Florida. We got Wyatt there. He's four. And then Bennett just turned one. And so uh, we're still in the sleepless night phase. Uh, so if I start drowsing off here, you know uh, why. Well, uh, I remember the first time I came to Chicago was to come to Moody Bible Institute. And um, I came and it was my senior year. I was looking for an internship. And so I... Uh, called up this church from uh, Moody all the way out into these suburbs, way in the western suburbs called Crossroads in the Wheaton suburbs. I thought 40 miles away, who lives out there? And I called, and it was a Saturday morning, I remember, and I uh, thought, who's going to answer on a Saturday morning? I need an internship to graduate Moody Bible Institute. So Saturday morning, I call, and who answers but our senior pastor, Scott Nichols, on Saturday. He was in the office. I said, hey, I'm awesome. I'm looking for an internship. What can we do here? And he says, sure, come to church tomorrow after the 11 o'clock service and we'll talk. We'll chat. And so I said, all right, sounds good. So I uh, load up in the car Sunday early morning, headed 40 miles out into the western suburbs of Chicago, uh, found Pastor Scott after service, waited in line, finally got to him and said, hey, I'm awesome. I called you yesterday on the phone, and I'm here to do this internship. And he responds by saying, uh, oh, you showed up. <laughs> and I was like, man, no credit, right? And uh, so I gave him the piece of paper. He signed my internship paper, and that signature started what would be eight years now at Crossroads. And I was youth pastor and family pastor and now associate pastor. And so love my church, love that we're united here with you all at Anchor Church. And so... Uh, um, blessings on each one. I wonder if we just start by praying together this morning. Father, thank you so much for this church, God, that you have instituted, you have birthed, God. Thank you for the vision and the heart you placed in Pastor Ryan to start this church. God, thank you for uh, the proclamation of the gospel, Lord, the unapologetic preaching, the engaging worship that Anchor Church is about, Lord. May it, may it go forth in this community. God, I pray for today, this morning, that you'd be with me as I preach your word. Um, God, thank you for the listeners here. Do a, a mighty work, we pray. Amen. 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 
So this morning I titled my message, uh, Surprising the One Who Doesn't Get Surprised. Uh, this morning I want to look at uh, two passages of Scripture. And both passages of Scripture have a word in it. Uh, the, the word is marveled. M- marveled simply means a wonder, amazement. And we find this word marveled throughout the New Testament. But it's often referring to the people who are experiencing what Jesus was doing. He was doing signs and wonders throughout Israel. And they marveled at what he was doing, his teaching. There's only two passages, and we'll look at those two this morning, where it says that actually Jesus himself marveled. Meaning, meaning he was awestruck. And it was when he was interacting with humans. To get this, it's, it's the, the God of the universe, the one in, in and through Jesus Christ, the world is held together. There were two moments where the world stopped still and Jesus was surprised. He was marveled. So this morning... I want us to answer the question, what would marvel the heart of God? What would make him stop and be awestruck at one of us? So this morning, we'll look at both passages. And so I trust you brought your Bible this morning. And you'll turn with me to Luke, or if you're on an electronic device, you'll scroll to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 is where we will begin here this morning with the question, what what would marvel the heart of God? What would make him to stop in amazement of one of us? And Luke 7 unpacks that for us. Verse 1 of chapter 7. Y'all there? I love response, so give, give something to me. We there? Yeah, all right, there we go. Okay, you're with me. I like it. Chapter 7, verse 1 says this. After he, that is Jesus, had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, stop right there. Jesus had just finished preaching a bunch of sermons. And so he was going back to HQ, his headquarters. In Capernaum, it was the the northern part of Israel on on the Sea of Galilee. It's where he kind of launched out and did a lot of his ministry. So that's where we find Jesus this morning. Verse 2, we find the man at the center of this story. Verse 2, now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. So here we see the the gentleman, we're not given a name, only his title, his occupation. We find out that he is a centurion. That means he would have been uh, employed by the Roman government. What should stick out to you and I is that he is not Jewish. He is not from the people of Israel. And so here we find Jesus is breaking into 
saving and reaching the entire world, not just the land of Israel. And so here, the centurion finds himself in a predicament, a problem, a moment of suffering. We just sang about that a moment ago. His servant, someone he almost, you could say, loved or at least cared for, was sick. Not just sick and in the hospital and he's going to get better soon. No, he is at death's doorstep. And the centurion highly values him. And so he's concerned about his servant. And so he sends word. He, he understands that there's this Jesus figure in town. He, 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 he's, he's doing these signs and wonders. And I, I wonder, I wonder just if maybe he could save my servant. Verse 4. And when they, the, they is, is those Jewish elders, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly and they said these words, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. A synagogue is a place of worship, be like a church back then. And verse 6, and Jesus went with them. When he was not far off from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, uh, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed, for I too am man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 9, when Jesus heard all of these things, he, here's the word, marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. What, what marvels Jesus Christ? What gets him to be amazed? That the word marveled is almost to the point of unbelief. Like, really? Like, no. Hey, you, you, you're really doing that right now? Like, wait, wait. You're telling me you're a Gentile. A Roman officer. And you have that kind of faith? So this morning, what I want to talk with you about is crazy faith. I, I want Anchor Church to be the church in the area that has some crazy faith. Crazy enough faith that the, the God of the universe would stop and marvel at this church. Because you want to walk with Jesus. You want to live your life on such the edge that the God of the universe would marvel. And so if you're jotting down notes this morning, the main idea for us is that crazy faith releases Jesus' work in my life. Crazy faith releases Jesus' work in my life. We see that in the centurion. 
He had the faith to believe that God could do the miraculous. And God then was at work in his life. What, what kind of, what's the definition of faith? Hebrews 11 helps us with that. Verse 1, you don't have to turn there, I'll read for you. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It's the idea that I am convinced that there is truth. And even though I sometimes don't see it always playing out, I know it to be true. And I can bank on it. And the world would look at us as believers and say, that is some crazy faith you have. And we respond by saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. We want that faith that would amaze the heart of God. Can, can we dream a moment together? Can we see 2020 that stretches out before us of one of the greatest movements of God in this church? Where, where, where marriages are being restored, where the chains of addiction are being broken, when, when the impact of the community will be felt by Anchor Church. Can we dream for a moment because we take on this crazy faith? Well, first thing to note is, how, how, do, I, how do I grow in this crazy faith? First, I would say this is, Crazy faith turns to Jesus as the solution. Crazy faith turns to Jesus as the solution. The centurion, uh, he could have done a myriad of things, yet he chose to turn to the one who had the solution, who could do that which was miraculous. See, our world... Our world uh, looks to find solutions in a lot of other things besides Jesus. Uh, look at the centurion. He was rich. He built him a house of worship. Uh, he, he had an occupation of a hundred different soldiers underneath him. He had power and prestige. He had the career everyone would want. He had kindness. He cared for his servant. All the things that would make up for a solution in this life. And the world, it searches for that. The career, the power, the success, the wealth. And yet none of those things marveled the heart of God, even though the centurion had them. The only thing that did was this man's faith that stirred the heart of God. That was the solution to the problem so what about us today? The stresses on our life, not just stresses, but even those moments of suffering. What about that son or daughter? That's the prodigal son or daughter. They've been wandering away. It's not how they were raised. And time and time again, you see them going down the path of destruction. And it breaks your heart. Do we turn to Jesus with crazy faith to say he's the solution? He's the one who can alter their life, flip it upside down, bring him, draw them back to himself. And they can have a life of joy and peace, not of destruction. What about, what about our marriages? Where, where, where maybe we're at conflict. Yeah, it looks good at church or 
in the community, but at home, there's, there's a lot of strife and tension. Can, can we turn to Jesus as the solution? The gospel as the thing that alters the course? Now, let me say a caveat. I'm not saying don't use medical technology or medical advancement. Jesus works through them. But is Jesus the first stop we look or the last stop we look? Is he the first one we turn to as the centurion did? What I, what I love about this man is he was a Gentile. As if to say, you're the most unlikely person to amaze God. I don't know about you, but I am an average Joe kind of a guy. And this story gives me hope because I'm the most unlikely guy to amaze Jesus. I don't have everything. And yet, yet it was all Jesus needed was the faith. My grandparents, a week and a half ago, my grandmother just passed away. She was 97 years old. She loved Jesus, went to be with him in heaven. I remember my grandparents' faith legacy. My, my grandpa and grandma, they would sit around the kitchen table, and I remember my grandfather saying, I am praying for all of Mexico that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. I remember as a boy being like, Grandpa, that's crazy faith. And not only would he pray that around the kitchen table, but he would get these trailers huge trailers and load them up with Gospel of John's when he was 80 plus years old. And he would drive them from Nebraska all the way down to Mexico to deliver them face to face, believing with crazy faith that Jesus is the solution to the problem of drugs and corruption that's happening in Mexico. It was, it was the first turning point for my grandfather, not the last. Can you and I see and be confronted with this crazy faith that the solution is Jesus? Let's turn to him first. Second thing we can note this morning is crazy faith operates on humility. It operates on humility. I want you to see what's happening, the dynamic. The centurion goes to the Jewish leaders, right? These Jewish leaders are the people that Jesus fights with, called Pharisees, throughout the New Testament. And these people think they have it all together. And, and, and catch what they say. They go to Jesus, and they tell Jesus what? Uh, verse number four. They say, this man is worthy to have you do this for him. So they're going to Jesus and say, Jesus, you owe this man. You, you owe him. See, 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 that's what religion gets us. See, Jesus wants a relationship and not religion. Religion gets this tallying system in our head that, that I, I'm doing a lot of good and I'm etching towards earning God's favor in my life. I, I attend church regularly. I give to the charities I do everything that's right, and so I'm, I'm tallying up in my head how I'm earning God's favor. That's what the, the, the Pharisees were doing, these religious leaders throughout the New Testament. 
And then when the time comes where I need something from God, God now owes me. You owe me, God. You're my vending machine. I deserve this. Why did the Jewish leaders think the centurion deserved it? He paid for our synagogue. He, he loves our nation. He's done all these good things. And yet, what is the centurion's response to Jesus when he sends his other friends? Verse 6. What does he say? I am what? Not worthy. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. So such a, a humility about him. I don't deserve this. I'm a sinful man. And you, you coming to me, how humbling that would be. But, but stay there. Just say the word. I believe it and it will come to pass. See, us as believers, we, we don't operate off of religion, but off of a relationship that says, only by the grace of God can I stand before him. Not of anything I've done, not of every good work I've put before him, I am not worthy. It's only by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pick up this theme of, of religion, of, of what they were thinking back then. Verse uh, Mark 6, just turn to the left with me. This is the second passage. Remember I said we're going to look at two passages that talk about how Jesus was marveled. Just to the left a few pages, Mark chapter 6. Jesus is in Nazareth. Nazareth was where he grew up. It's his hometown. He's the hometown hero or what he's supposed to be anyway. He comes to them and he starts teaching in their house of worship. And the response of these religious leaders, these people in Nazareth is this. End of verse 3 of chapter 6. They took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. Verse 5. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And verse 6, he marveled because of their, what's the word? Unbelief. That their lack of faith. That they're so familiar with this guy Jesus. He grew up in our town. There's no way he could possibly do that. And so Jesus is, is wanting to open up the floodgates of heaven on Nazareth and do mighty, mighty works. And he was prohibited because of their unbelief. And that marveled his heart. He was in amazement like, wow, I can't believe my own people don't believe. And yet this centurion does. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the camp where I'm marveling the heart of God because of my faith, not my unbelief. Well, this familiarity can, can be stifling to our faith. I, I've grown up in church my whole life. 
I've gone through the motions. And so I've kind of lost my edge of really believing that God can do some miraculous things in my life, in my church. And, and, and my faith has maybe grown a little stale. How do I counteract that? Well, my question to you would be, where have you been taking faith risks lately? Where have you been stepping out to the edge and saying, uh, I got no safety net. I'm going to depend upon God in this instance. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I'm going to risk. So I want to see, as we say, that the, the glory of God, we'd be able to see it clearly. I would be able to tell of his wonderful mercies in my life. Maybe the reason why there's this familiarity, stale faith in our life is because we're not risking enough. I'm not saying go out and be crazy. There's calculated risk. But, but have you gone out to the edge and say, I'm operating in an area where I have to depend upon God because there's no other way? Uh, this December, Pastor Scott and a couple of our elders went to, to Africa, to Nigeria. You want to talk about some crazy faith. Uh, it's over there. I remember our missionary, Beatrice Kadang, she uh, went to the church service. She said, you see these people? Uh, they're maybe getting a, one meal a day. But like, like the things we take for granted, clothing, shelter, food, they have to wonder where it's going to come from. And you see their faces here at this church service? They're lit up, excited to be here. Yeah, they're, they're, their stomachs are empty, but their hearts are so full of faith that, that God would do something great. And then I get back home from Nigeria and I see two articles of pastors in the northern part of Nigeria being executed for their faith as pastors. I don't think we're nearly close to persecution and suffering here. They're for sure at that. And they're living on the edge of some crazy faith. So where are you stepping out in humility? Say, God, I'm not worthy, but I want to see you do some crazy things in my life. I want to marvel your heart this year. Well, third and final thing to note this morning would be this. Crazy faith is certain that Jesus can do anything. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. You believe that this morning? No. Crazy faith says, I know without certainty, with certainty rather, that, that Jesus can do anything. Like the, the servant is on his deathbed. There's not going to be a future for him very long. And yet... The centurion chose to have this crazy bit that this man, Jesus, can do anything. Here's what I love about this text. The centurion, as far as we know, never saw Jesus face to face. He never saw him. He sent the Jewish leaders, and then he sent his friends. He says, don't come under my house. I'm not worthy. Never saw him face to face. What, what did he have to go off of then? He couldn't look Jesus over and say, okay, yeah, you look like you could be a guy who could heal my servant. No, no. All he had to go off of was what? What he heard. I'm going to go on a limb and say, you and I have never physically seen Jesus. 
But what do we have to go off of? What we've heard. What we've seen. What we've read. That this is, in fact, true. And out of here is where we have this crazy faith to marvel the heart of Jesus. My uh, good friend, we are in small group this last, uh, about a year and a half ago. His name's Ryan Seabloom. He's a... Just had a baby girl that she was uh, three years old, and then they just had twins. She had three kids. I know, right? Twins. Anyone else have twins? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you know where that's at. So Ryan, he's uh, in small group, and we just find out as a small group that he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of cancer. He had a tumor in his chest. The cancer cells had spread to most of his lymph nodes. I still remember the day where I went over to his house, sat in his living room, and just saw it's, it's fear. The fear of, I've got my wife and these three kids, and I've just been diagnosed with cancer. I remember the day learning about and then bringing him up on our platform, on our stage, and laying hands on him, the elders prayed over him, and the church began to just pray like crazy over Ryan. He went through about eight or nine chemo treatments. And there, there was the moment of the day where I welcomed him back up onto the stage at Crossroads. And I said... And we rejoiced that Ryan was cancer-free. Right? Do you and I believe that Jesus can do anything? That, that the crazy faith to believe this year in 2020 that stretches out. I don't know where you're at, what's standing in front of you. But if you have the crazy faith that Jesus can do anything, I want him to surprise you. And because you have that crazy faith, you'll be surprising him with the amazement, the marvel that it'll take. Can we say that, that Jesus can do much more than we can ask, think, or imagine this new year? Can, can we say here at Anchor Church that he who began a good work in us will bring it about to completion until the day of Jesus Christ? Can we say in your own life that all things, the good and the bad, are working together for good to those that love him? This year, will you access the crazy faith by believing, turning to him as the first solution, by coming to him humbly, and by believing that he can do anything, and therefore marvel his heart, made him stop in wonder and awe, because God's going to do something here. A revival is going to break out here in Anchor Church because of this crazy faith. I'm not sure what your next step is. You'll have to decide that. Some of you here, maybe it's your first crazy step of faith is to first time believe that Jesus died for you, was buried, and rose again. Maybe you've never had the crazy faith to believe. You know what? It sounds so crazy that this guy 2,000 years ago stood in my place, died the death for me, and I have grace upon grace, 
and I have the eternal security of heaven. Maybe you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus before. I'm going to invite you to do that in just a second. But maybe you're here and you've been living this faith journey for a long time. And maybe your faith journey has got a little stale. The familiarity has caused you to maybe just be a little bit on the unbelief side. Can I challenge you to step out in some crazy faith this year? To marvel the heart of God? Let's pray. If there's someone here who wants to take the first step of believing in this crazy faith of coming to Jesus for the very first time, just just pray silently in your heart after me. Father God, I know who you are. Today is the day where I'm going to step out in crazy faith to believe that you came to die for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus, you died, was buried and rose again for me. Lord, today is the day I step out and choose to receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. And God, for the rest of us here, the faithful believers, God, you've done some mighty work in their life. But God, God, you're not finished. The best is yet to come. This year, you're going to blow open heaven's door, Lord, as the crazy faith begins to ooze out of this church as they step out in great faith. So, Lord, I pray as they enter on this journey, God, that you'd surprise them. And, Lord, you'd accomplish much in their life. We thank you for who you are. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.